2: My
3: Seven Chakras,
1: episode 256. The best
2: day to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best day is today.
4: The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? Could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras and now your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. Kumar.
3: What's up Action Tribe, AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, the show where we provide you the knowledge and action steps that will help you transform your life. So if you are new to this show, then I want to give you a warm warm welcome now if you are a regular listener you would know the importance that i place on community why is that because as humans we thrive among people who know like and support us but very often especially if you're making a big change in your life a spiritual shift you don't get the required support from people around you and that's exactly why i created our facebook group uh, for action tribe now when you join you'll find a community that will hold space for you allow you to express your voice share collaborate and grow and really allow you to step into your new life so if you consider yourself part of action tribe part of us then join us by visiting my7chakras.com forward slash tribe that's my7chakras.com forward slash T-R-I-B-E. then hit request and i'll see you on the inside and with that i'd like to introduce to you our special guest for today dr pankaj vij so dr pankaj are you ready to inspire.
2: I am ready. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me on your show. AJ. I'm an avid listener and I can't even believe that I'm actually on your show today.
3: <laughs> Thanks a lot. It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, uh dr pankaj Vij is the author of turbo metabolism that's the book that we're going to talk about today as a doctor of internal medicine he has helped thousands of patients lose weight manage chronic health conditions and improve their physical fitness board certified in internal medicine and obesity medicine doctor Witch has been practicing medicine since 1997 so thanks once again for joining us thank you Awesome. So like we always do uh, in each, each and every episode, I'd like to ask you, what is your favorite inspirational quote and how do you apply it in your life?
2: You well, know, it changes from day to day, but one that I've been pondering this week is the best day to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best day is today. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, of course, if you planted an apple tree 20 years ago, you'd be eating apples, but if you didn't, then the second best time to do it is just the moment you realize that truth. And the way that I apply that is that I am making a conscious effort to start each day, think of each day as a gift, as a new beginning, and do my best each day so that we can make tomorrow a little bit better. And if I'm not around for that better tomorrow, it'll be, you know, our... children and grandchildren and Mm -hmm. the people that inherit the planet from
3: us wonderful thanks a lot for sharing that quote it's one of my favorites as well action tribe no matter what goals or plans uh, you've made maybe it was two years back or five years back and for some reason or the other you you didn't follow through or something happened to you remember that it's not your fault Uh, you know for some reason or the other Things did not happen, and you're here. And you the very fact that you're here, it means that you have survived. Now's the time to plant that seed so that you can start your brand new tomorrow. And, and you know that, what? But yeah. the
2: cool thing about that, AJ, is that <laughs> the score will never be worse than 1-0, right? If, even if you mm-hmm. screwed up yesterday, yes. okay, so it's 1-0, to you're losing. But now it, we clear the chessboard again, and we start all over again. It's a new game every day.
3: Absolutely. It's a new game every day. Uh, And with that, let's begin. Uh, uh, Pankaj, you are a doctor of internal medicine, right? So what does that involve?
2: Internal medicine, I think, is the most fascinating branch of medicine. And, you know, the philosophers and the thinkers and the poets and the analytical people and the detectives go into internal medicine and stay in internal medicine because we're the ones that, you know, use our heads to make a diagnosis and, uh, in order to make that right diagnosis, you need to have knowledge of the whole body and treat the person as a whole person.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Rather than relying on uh, tests and procedures, we actually use our head to arrive at the, at least a working diagnosis. And then we can get the specialist to help us out to confirm what we already thought to be the case. And mm-hmm. as a result, I have the privilege of meeting with people that will tell me the deepest, darkest secrets of theirs that they don't share with anyone. And they right. get to form relationships over many, many years and decades, and Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for the work that I have chosen to do.
3: Uh, Well, truly, I mean, out of all the relationships that are there, I think a patient and doctor relationship is one of the most sacred, right? And the fact that uh, doctors spend so many years to get to where they are, it takes a lot of time as well as, I'm sure, energy and challenges. So what made you want to become a doctor? Did you always want to be one?
2: Well, I had an uncle who was a doctor, and you know, uh, well, my brother and I thought that he was really cool. And But you know, as a kid, you fantasize about things more from just the physical appearance of things. Yeah. Oh, he gets to wear a white coat, and everybody says, oh, Dr. Sahab is here. You know, Dr. Sahab is a respectable way of uh, yes. addressing someone in back home in India. And that's all we knew. And it's like, okay, he gets to go in, he makes people better, and they smile, and everybody loves him in the little town that we lived in. Uh, And that was the understanding as a kid where I had some intention, but, you know, as I got to learn more, I have realized that there's really so much more to really knowing someone at such an intimate level and having that Mm -hmm. relationship with them, which, you know, again, they might tell you things that they don't feel comfortable telling anybody else. And you really become, I would say more than friends, more than family. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a relationship of intimate connection and the highest level of love and compassion.
3: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if I'd like to say uh, thanks to your uncle that, you know, we are able to uh, speak about your book today and the fact that you've made such an impact on people around you. Uh, so firstly, thanks uh, to your uncle and also speaks volumes to the influence that an adult can have right on a child's life or siblings life uh, because obviously at some uh level you were inspired by him you wanted to emulate him and then of course that took you on your journey uh, but my question right now is uh, uh what is metabolic syndrome
2: so metabolic syndrome well we could take a step behind that and say what is metabolism right yeah metabolism is essentially energy transactions in the body And for your listeners who are into more of the mind body connection, we could say that metabolism is a movement of life energy or prana through the body, right? Mm -hmm. It is these transactions that take food, which is fuel, but that food has not just energy, but also information. So we take in energy and information from the environment, from the universe, and we convert that into life force that gives us gives our body all the uh, things that it needs for us to be able to do all the great things that we we are able to do right and so if that's metabolism then metabolic syndrome it would be when metabolism is impaired right mm-hmm. so that energy flow is impaired in some way and on a very physical level, we would diagnose someone as having, likely to be having metabolic syndrome, if they have a big belly, right, if they have an increase in what we call waist circumference, or we look look at something called waist-hip ratio, mm-hmm. if their blood pressure is higher than a certain threshold, if their cholesterol numbers are higher than a certain threshold, if their blood glucose, fasting blood sugar level is higher than a, a certain threshold. So we can do all these tests to confirm it, but essentially, you could look at someone and if they look like they have a belly sticking out, where if you ask them to stand straight in the shower, you know, with their toes and their head touching the wall, and Mm -hmm. if they look down and they're not able to, you know, see the contour of their feet very clearly because they have a belly sticking out, then Mm -hmm. it's very likely that all those blood test numbers are going to confirm. Again, being the internal medicine guy, you can confirm the diagnosis, but you already know what it is. 90% of the diagnosis already made just by looking at them
3: got it got it so i love the fact that you are looking at a wide variety of uh, factors right so you're looking at the tests and experiments of course but you're also looking at your you're you're your, your, uh, looking back on your experience and 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 your intuition right so you're taking drawing from both sides uh, of the spectrum uh, now uh what are some of the myths or maybe misconceptions if there are any associated with uh, metabolic syndrome
2: well, there are a lot of misconceptions about it, and that was the reason why I chose turbo metabolism for my book because in right. working with people with high blood pressure and diabetes and that are overweight, obese, having heart problems, and they you know everybody wants to lose weight and yes. everybody thinks that there's something wrong with their metabolism and to a large extent th- that 's a myth the myth is that only about one percent of people are actually born with some sort of defect in their metabolism. The other 99% have impaired metabolism because of environmental factors, because of decisions that they are knowingly or unknowingly making, right? These are diet decisions. These are lifestyle decisions. These are decisions about how we manage stress, how we sleep, how our relationships are, right? So it goes, you can peel the layers of the onion and get deeper and deeper and deeper from the physical to the mental, to the psychological, to the spiritual. Mm. And uh, it's, it's, so it's it's at all those levels that that we have to look at the person and then help them figure out what's the cause of the problem and likely it's something that's that that they either decided to do or were in an unfortunate situation where that decision wasn't entirely theirs. But the bottom line is that they, you weren't born with an impaired metabolism. So that's the myth number one: is that 99% of people don't have anything wrong with their metabolism; it just needs to be tuned up.
3: Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. And the fact that you mentioned uh, so many different things, like right? your, your, your the the amount of sleep that you have, your relationships, your environment. I mean, you know, we 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 read about so many chemicals that we might be accustomed to. We might come across that have an effect on our bodies, right? And then your thoughts, your emotions. So many. We talk about many things here, right? So when a person is diagnosed. Uh, With some sort of a chronic disease and the person realizes that at some level, uh, this person has to make a lifestyle change, right? So that can be an overwhelming experience, right? And very often, uh, people might say, uh, you know, I want to make a change, but I don't know where to start because of so many factors that I have to consider. So how should a person go about thinking about making this, uh, this lifestyle shift?
2: Yeah, it's like the old old uh, little kids joke about how you eat an elephant, right? How do you eat, a, eat an elephant? <laughs> yeah. You eat it one bite at a time, right? Yeah. So you got to start wherever you are, and and yes, you know I have, a lot of things could be um, out of out of tune, out of whack, but you start where you are, and you pick up something that you think you can do, right? And That's in working with people and counseling them. Yeah. I try to identify. Where we can meet, right, where we can shake hands, okay, mm-hmm. you know it would be really hard for you, Mr. Couch potato to go and run a marathon tomorrow, oh yeah, but here's what you can do is maybe stop drinking beer, or you know what is one thing that you can do? Maybe you can try to get at bed, get to bed, set an alarm to go to bed, just like you set an alarm to wake up in the morning, why don't you set an alarm in the evening so that you know you start your bedside bedtime routine at eight thirty or nine p m so that you can be sleeping at a reasonable time. Or, you know, what? you can't do 50 push-ups. Can you do one push-up, right? Let's start where you are. And we can build on that. Maybe you can't change breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but would you be willing to consider, you know, just changing one meal, right? Just having a nutrient-dense, plant-rich, big salad just for the lunch, and you can keep your breakfast and dinner the same. So let's find out where we can shake hands and meet. And uh, without any judging or shaming, we will build on what we have and you know rome wasn't built in a day yeah warren buffett didn't build his huge snowball in a day and it'll take time but if you're committed and if you're willing to stick to this behavior you know you you can accomplish it and and i can show so many examples of people that have
3: got it so i love the fact that you uh, realize and and through a lot of experience, of course, is that uh, a big change is, is, is difficult, right? Because if, even if you attempt that big change, uh, the person might feel that it's impossible and go back to their previous uh, lifestyle and pattern. And I love the f- examples that you've given uh, as far as sleep is concerned. You know, if, if you've been sleeping very late, Try to sleep a bit early so that you can get adequate sleep, whether it's diet, don't change everything. Just change one, uh, one meal per se. Become one, take one step towards becoming more healthy. Or even if it's exercise, just visit the gym. Just do one push-up uh, because that creates a, a shift, I guess, in the, in, in the brain. And then you, you take these small steps towards becoming a more healthy uh, person and, and changing your lifestyle. Now, uh, uh, in your book, you talk about the importance of avoiding certain foods, right? Avoiding hormonally dangerous foods. Uh, so could you talk to us a bit about uh, about what these foods are?
2: Yeah, there's so many hormonally dangerous foods, or I would say things that are not really even food, right? There's substances hmm. that are mimicking as food that have infiltrated our uh, food chain and then become part of it. And now they're hyper palatable. They're familiar and convenient, right? So right. people look at food as being the first thing that if somebody says it needs to taste good, and the yeah. second thing is, right, it needs to be something that's familiar. And you don't don't tell me to eat something that I can't even recognize and I've never seen it before. And uh, if it's conveniently available, then I'll do it. If it has to, you know, take me three hours to make dinner, then forget about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, in that process of making things convenient and hyper palatable, we have allowed so many things to enter into our into our kitchen pantries, into our refrigerator that. Shouldn't be there. I'm talking about processed foods with ingredients that you couldn't pronounce. You know, yeah. ing- ingredients that your grandparents wouldn't recognize. That have, you know, fifty, sixty ingredients on the side of the box or the package. It's probably something that's not even edible. Yeah, and they're loaded with chemicals. They're loaded with pesticides. They're loaded with preservatives, things to increase shelf life, give them color and you know mouths feel and sometimes they taste really good too and you get addicted they are actually designed to be addictive yes so that, so that would be a no-brainer right get rid of as much processed food as possible eat close to the earth eat foods that have had less steps between that food leaving the farm making its way to your plate Okay. but then in that same category i would put alcohol right and Every day there's a new study saying, hey, alcohol is good for you. And then everybody, all the drinkers get really happy. (laughs) (laughs) But the bottom line is alcohol is not a health food. You know, red wine, drinking red wine isn't going to make you live longer. There are some studies that maybe it decreases certain heart conditions, but it'll increase your chance of having cancer. Even having one glass of white wine in a woman will significantly increase the risk of breast cancer, for example and there's there's so many accidents there's so many so much violence you know everybody there's so much hue and cry right now about gun violence in the united states and you know alcohol is implicated that's the first thing that the cops want to find out if if there's something happened hey was there alcohol was there a firearm so there's that correlation and then i would think about dairy too in in the way that it's produced it's mass-produced in these dairy farms where all the milk gets homogenized, these mechanized uh, dairy operations where these cows are just lined up and they're being yes. milked year-round. They're being given chemicals to keep them lactating. They get sick. They're given antibiotics. Yeah. And so, so you're taking in something that maybe if you were a baby cow, it would work okay for you. But now you're taking in really a body fluid of another species with 60 Sorry. different, you know, active hormones that work. Really well for the cow and make the help the calf grow into a full-grown cow very quickly. But as human adults, I'm not convinced that uh, that we should be drinking as much milk as you know the advertisers uh, tell us. So, so those would be some examples, and, and there's many, many more.
3: Okay, great. Now, here's a question that I have, and uh, I think you would be the right person to uh, answer this question: Is the idea of uh, dairy right mm-hmm. I mean there's a lot of research that tells us that it's not as healthy as people say it is uh, well on the other hand there are some people who say that you should you know like a blanket statement like you should avoid all dairy right uh, and you know coming from India uh, you, you would agree that cow is uh, you know uh, an animal that's highly respected and everything is revol- revolves around the cow right uh, dairy products and milk and even Krishna right. <laughs> the Indian god was all about milk so you know, is it, is it just some type of dairy is bad, or is, are humans not designed to consume dairy, uh, or? Well,
2: I think it, both of those statements would be partly true. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, you talk about the uh, milk that is described in the scriptures that Krishna was actually he was a, a, a what do you call it a cowherd, right? He yeah he had cows and he would take care of cows and he came from a family of. Uh, essentially what might be called dairy farmers right now, but this was, yeah. you know, th- those cows and that milk was, you know, my grandparents had a cow and they mm. had that cow was the personal cow that was in their backyard, right. right? And they took care of it like a family member or much like somebody would take care of their their dog or cat. It had a name. They would feed right. it, they would talk to it and that milk would, you know, so you're knowing what's going in to that animal to produce the milk that it was producing correct and right now again we don't know it's 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 homogenized from maybe 10000 cows milk this all mixed together along with the pus and everything else body fluids that are getting in there and, and the emotions i guess right <laughs> and the karma that's absolutely and yeah. more more so you know you're taking away something that's meant for its baby right this is baby, baby yeah. formula for the cow's kid and instead you're saying hey i'm not even i'm a grown up adult and i'm going to drink your baby formula and your baby can you know stay right there and you can look at your baby crying for for food but we're going to take away all his food um so and then there are a significant significant number of people that actually have some sort of low-grade inflammatory response to to dairy in general even if it's you know organic and, and and all that stuff so i think in general if someone is sort of struggling with their weight or chronic diseases, it would be a good idea to try giving up dairy. And like, I mean, in my whole book, I'm I'm very open-minded. This is about open-minded experimentation. Yes, You know, we have to figure out what works for each and every individual person. But in my practice, I've got literally hundreds of examples of people that had dandruff or skin rashes, eczema, allergies, asthma, abdominal pain, Irritable bowel, constipation alternating with with diarrhea, stomach yeah. cramps, bloating, gas, and much of this just went away once they gave up dairy. Not to mention that if you're giving up dairy, you're giving up one other food that is a, in a lot of unhealthy, you know, things that are masked as food. That is cheese, right? We've got right. we've got cheese in the pizza crust. We've got extra cheese in our sandwiches. We've got we're putting cheese everywhere, and that's actually. Talks to the reward receptors in the brain, just like heroin. And so mm. by cutting out dairy, you would cut out a lot of the cheese and butter and saturated fat and, uh, and so on. So that would make a difference. Ice cream is a big one that many people you know, sure. have a weakness for. So if you just say, okay, I'm going without dairy, then you might be able to cut out on a lot of these foods and see how you feel, right? Check it out. See how you feel. Do it for six to eight weeks. If you like it, you can continue. If you don't like it, I'll give you your money back.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love the fact that you uh speak uh, about familiarity and taste right because these are the two things that i guess as humans we are looking for we're looking for foods that will allow us allow us to survive and foods that and avoiding foods that are p- potentially poisonous so uh, you, you know we're looking for foods that are familiar and foods that are tasty and under this bucket we have you know, food such as uh, with sugar, with unhealthy fats and animal protein. And you've written in your book that uh, you know excess of those is not good for our body. So could you elaborate on why exactly they're not good for the body?
2: Yeah, as much as we can eliminate these, we, we are better off. You know, animals, when you're eating animals, essentially the higher up in the food chain that you're eating, the higher there's bioconcentration of all these toxins that we talked okay. about earlier. So, you know, if I'm eating... Uh, you know, a cow, for example, you are much more likely to be picking up environmental toxins that were in the soil, whether it's heavy metals or arsenic or the pesticides such as Monsanto's Roundup, you know, glyphosate that was sprayed on the fields, which, which, you know, in the United States, these commercial agriculture feed operations, CAFOs, uh, use corn and soy. Why? Because corn and soy are cheap and yes. because they're subsidized by the government. But that is not even the native food of the animal, and, and 90% of this corn and soy is genetically modified so that it can be sprayed with these pesticides at much higher concentration that you would have been otherwise able to do. And now these animals are eating that food. So guess what's happening? You get where that all the chemicals is being concentrated in the flesh of the animal, which we then consume. And you know, as far as you know, uh, the the whole system is is just rampant with really manipulation right this greed greed to sell more without regard to the health effects you know these multinational fast food companies commercial food companies have spent billions of dollars in designing foods to be more and more addictive where they proudly say you can't just have one because they know that once you have one potato chip you're going to eat the whole bag
3: Right. That's so true. That's so true. And the fact that you have so many advertisements uh, that are designed to make you rush to the nearest grocery store and inquire about the new flavor that they've come out with, all of it, I guess, is designed to make you addicted to the Absolutely.
2: food. Absolutely. Yeah. So you talk about familiar, right? So one way yeah. of being familiar with something would be that you heard it from, you know, Celebrity. your, your great grandmother and your grandmother and your mom and your dad and your brother mm. and your sister. But the other yeah. way to have something familiar is to put it in the ad on television right So yeah. you know the sales and marketing people know that you have to hear a message seven times before it sinks in so we'll show you that ad of you know some famous person you know after a football game or a basketball game they're eating this particular kind of cheeseburger or right. they're drinking this particular beverage and if you see that over and over enough time and if some someone that you admire Right. And now you're familiar with that product. And the moment you see it in the store, then boom, you say, oh, yeah, this is what, you know, my favorite uh, Steph Curry was (laughs) drinking this Gatorade. So this must be really good or Shaquille O'Neal or, you know, whoever it is that uh, that you admire. And they look for those people that that people emulate. Mm, Right.
3: Correct. And that's how these
2: athletes get so many endorsements.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just uh, heard about, uh, you know, this ad that they used to run. I think this was maybe 20 years back. Uh, Winston tastes good, just mm. like a cigarette should, you know. And it, I guess it was uh, ingrained in the subconscious uh, mind of everyone. And, and...
2: Oh, there's some really interesting ads <laughs> are actually saying, you know, 90% of doctors prefer, yes you know, such and such cigarette. And Lucky Strikes, because Lucky Strikes feels so good <laughs> after a long day of work, it's soothing for the throat. Yeah. And uh, they were actually marketing. And then, you know, some of my friends that are older doctors say, oh, yeah, we used to be smoking cigarettes right in the operating room or you're out, you know, you're delivered somebody's baby and, you know, there's cigarette smoke right in the delivery room so that the newborn child can get initiated.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and, and also what comes to my mind is what are some of the accepted uh, routines or truths today that, you know, 50 years from now will be like, wow, did they even eat that or did they even consume that that's really surprising right
2: (laughs) yeah and what's 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 heartwarming is actually the newer generation right the generation millennial generation now and and the younger kids are are a lot more aware than their parents about some of these things Mm. and and that's that's really a positive positive change that if these guys are now aware then they can they won't make the same mistakes that their parents made. They'll they'll make some other mistakes. Maybe they'll get, <laughs> you know, as they say, scrolling is the new smoking. So they're all hooked to their, oh yeah, to their screens.
3: Now, uh, now, no, Pankaj, I'm a big fan of uh, intermittent fasting. Yes. Uh, you know, I I found that it's worked for me. I discovered it, I think, about maybe a year back or so. And what I do is I skip my breakfast. And you've written about uh, meal frequency and and fasting windows in your book. Uh, so could you tell us a bit more about why fasting is good for the body?
2: Right. So so until now, in this interview, we, we've talked about sort of meal composition. But yes. when you think about meal. Timing and meal frequency, that's where, you know, your question of intermittent fasting comes in. And I I like to think about everything in a historical sort of evolutionary perspective. And again, Mm -hmm. if we think back in our evolution, right, we didn't evolve eating breakfast, lunch and dinner and snacks in between, right? If you were a a hunter-gatherer man who's out, you know, looking for food in the forest, it, 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 they weren't ringing a bell at 12 noon and saying, ding, 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 it's lunch break, mm-hmm. right? And everybody opens their lunch box. They would yeah. it would find food. When you found it, you would get to eat. If you didn't find food, then you wouldn't get to eat. And right. our body is actually designed for that really well so because that's how humans have been for hundreds of thousands of years. So we've got this intricate system of storing energy when it's available so that we can use those energy stores when it's not available in mm. times of famine the problem is that in 2018 there's no famine right so we just go from feast to feast to feast to feast and right. so we're constantly in that fed state when in in that fed state when we are in that fed state the insulin levels are high insulin is a storage hormone it says okay let's store this energy because that famine is coming soon Right. So we, we but we stay in that part of the cycle because the famine doesn't come. So we keep storing and storing and storing. Insulin levels stay high, high, high. And we don't go into ever into burning that fat. So when you're when you're intermittently fasting, you're sort of cycling through phases of being in the fed state and being in the non fed state when you're in the non fed state insulin levels will go down that's when you'll use up some of that stored energy so what i talk about is a very simple way that you know anybody can do this is to shrink the feeding window to about 8 hours so that we have the other 16 hours to metabolize to burn to utilize that energy which would mean either skipping breakfast or ideally eating your dinner earlier, right? So your insulin sensitivity is higher in the earlier part of the day. So rather than skipping breakfast, AJ, you would do even better if you had a breakfast at maybe a little bit later breakfast at nine or something, Yeah. then quit eating at about five. So actually uh, bring your dinner time a little bit sooner. Mm -hmm. And so then by not eating anything after five, you're not only staying in that non-fed state from 5 p.m. until 9 a.m. the next morning, you also eliminate a lot of what else do we do in the evening hours, right? We eat popcorn while watching television. We eat potato chips. We eat ice cream. We drink beer, right? All that stuff will eliminate. And if your friends say, hey, we're going out for some beers, you say, well, I'm fasting. I'll go out with you guys, but I don't really put anything (laughs) in my mouth after 5
3: yeah, I think I think it's maybe because of the social aspect like you suggested. It's a bit difficult in the evening, right? I mean, in the morning it's like you're just waking up, you're you know maybe getting to work, planning the day. Uh, uh but it's interesting. You, you, is it is it better to sort of uh, fast in the evening compared to morning?
2: Biochemically it would be better to mm. uh fast in the evening because again you're your capacity to burn energy, as well as your activity level. Everything is sort of winding down, right? The engine, yeah. engine is getting ready to shut down for the evening. Right. Whereas in the morning, it's it's everything is revving up. So you can put fuel in the body. You're going to be up and about. You're going to be running around. You'll be sure. able to utilize it, especially if you, you know get to move around a little bit in your job, maybe you you stand part of the day instead of sitting in your chair, you get right. up and walk when you go have to talk to somebody instead of shooting them an instant message or a text or a phone, you go to the furthest bathroom in the building, you park your car far away, there are more opportunities to be active in the daytime, yes. uh, but you're right, the majority of people will eat it will maybe skip breakfast, have a medium-sized lunch and have a huge dinner, and then plop themselves in front of the television until they Become comatose, which is the opposite again the old adage. All these wisdoms are already there, right? Every, yes, you've heard about eating like a breakfast like a king, yes. and lunch like a prince, and dinner like a pauper. And you know, you mentioned ancient uh, Hindu Indian traditions where uh, there's a lot of writing about about fasting, and there are sects of Hinduism yes. like Jains don't eat. After sunset, which is such a beautiful concept, right? Yeah. So you allow your body to go into that non-fasting state and you also get to digest the food a lot better. And the byproduct of that is that you'll have better sleep.
3: Wonderful. And I'm sure most of our listeners... Uh, would appreciate some better quality sleep because they understand that it's not just about the length of the sleep, but it's all, also about the quality of the sleep. So thanks a lot for that uh, wonderful advice. We've spoken about uh, foods that are potentially not good for us, sugar, unhealthy fats, some sort of annual uh, excess of animal protein. We've spoken about fasting uh, and benefits of doing so. And now I wanted to talk about not just foods, but superfoods. What exactly are superfoods?
2: so there are a lot of superfoods and 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 really right by what, is, what do we mean by superfood anything that turns on signals of health and wellness and vitality in our body is a superfood right mm-hmm. anything that, that turns on signals of 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 illness and making us feel sick and tired and sleepy is the opposite of a superfood right mm-hmm. so it, again eating close to the nature eating things that uh, have had less processing less transportation from when they came out of the earth. So they have more prana, more life in them is right. going to be the way to get more superfoods. Uh, it, and anywhere across the world, when you look at populations that live long and have really healthy people that are even you know, later in life, they're still really healthy and looking good. These are people that are eating a nutrient dense plant rich diet. They're eating unprocessed foods. They're eating mostly plants mostly plants. And so the superfoods in nature would be the things that have a lot of color, right? So greens, greens of different varieties, spinach, collard greens, kale, you know, you name it. Uh, Beans, beans get a lot of bad rap, but beans are these wonderful superfood, really factory of goodness that comes from nature and it's all vegetarian. They're coming from plants. Because they're seeds of the plant, they're designed to have all this energy and intelligence within them, because these seeds will stay alive and keep the DNA of the plant alive until it's time for it to germinate, which might be the next spring, right? So these seeds can stay good for months and months, sometimes years. So different varieties of beans. So having some greens, some beans, root vegetables like carrots and sweet potatoes, again, with color are, are, would be in the category of superfoods. Beets are really good. Beets are, again, a root vegetable. That have right. cleansing effects, and again, in our Indian food, we eat things like okra and yep. uh, bitter melon. Those have uh, really good cleansing properties for the body. Mushrooms and onions, mushrooms mm-hmm. and onions, are in the category of superfoods. And then the big ones are berries and seeds. Again, so so if you think about a salad, you can think about having lots of greens in it. Have some beans. Beans will give you the protein as well as some complex carbohydrates with fiber, right? Some right. onions with for some antioxidants. Mushrooms have some protein, some antioxidants, as, and fiber, which will go undigested, and it will form food for the gut bacteria. And you put some berries on top. That'll give it some beautiful color, a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of tartness. Mm-hmm. And you can top it off with some sunflower seeds or pumpkin seeds. And I try to have that kind of lunch every day and, and something like that. Since I switched to doing that, I find that I'm so much more energetic in the second half of the day when I'm working and uh, you know don't feel like I'm sluggish and I need to be chugging down cups of coffee and tea just to stay awake. Right. And you don't get bloated, too.
3: Oh, absolutely. Uh, and uh, as we speak right now, it's uh, 2.42 p.m. Uh, in Vancouver. And the fact that we're speaking about foods is making me hungry because <laughs> <laughs> I got to break my fast, you right? I, 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 know, I've, I've, uh, I've skipped my breakfast, but you know, wonderful topic. Now I'm sure that listening to your advice, a lot of our listeners are sort of, uh, re-evaluating, you know, where do we buy our foods from? What sort of food, uh, you know, are we eating? You know, probably opening the cabinets, what food is there? So, uh, We hear the term organic thrown around thrown around a lot, right? Because organic is supposedly better than the regular food. But but how does a person go about deciding what you know, what type of organic to eat? uh, Or, you know, what is good organic? Or are there different levels? So what advice do you have around around sourcing of the food for the house?
2: Yeah, that's that's a really, really good question. And I think if you already hit it on the nail because the first step is just being aware, right? Being, yes. being aware of what you're putting in your mouth and thinking, is this feeding disease or is it feeding health? That's the first question sure. that we should be asking. And uh, so whether I should be eating organic or not is is a really good question. First of all, how do we define organic, right? Organic yes. is defined by foods that it's mostly for produce, which is fruits and vegetables that haven't had synthetic pesticide, synthetic herbicide, synthetic fertilizer, sewage-based or sludge-based fertilizer, and they haven't been irradiated, and you're not using genetically modified seeds. So those mm-hmm. are the definitions that if, if you or I were a farmer and we want to get certified as organic, those are what, that's what we need to uh, get. Those are the criteria that we need to meet. And right. the way that that would happen is And this was started in California. Uh, It was the first state that actually introduced organic foods. And the certification would come from supplying seven years of soil samples. So we'd have to supply seven years of soil samples to show that your soil is clean. It doesn't have those things that I just named. The synthetic pesticides, fertilizers, herbicides, sewage sludge-based fertilizers, no GMO seeds and no irradiation. And if I can show that for seven years in a row, then I can go through this process and I can get certified organic. So there's the California Certified Organic Federation. I think it is CCOF. And now there's a USDA certification yeah. as well. I'm sure you guys in Canada have your own certification system, which I would trust for the most part. If if something is labeled as organic, I would be willing to trust that if it's coming from the us or canada not so sure if it's you know coming from china or some other place mm-hmm. uh yes mm-hmm. but do you have to go to whole foods and spend your whole paycheck there no <laughs> uh, do you guys have whole foods in vancouver
3: Oh yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, and in fact, the fact that now Whole Foods is uh, part of Amazon, we might be able to order Whole Foods uh, online, which makes it good or bad. I don't know. <laughs>
2: cool. Yeah. So, I mean, they're working really hard to their credit. Yes. They're really working hard to make organic foods accessible to, right. ev- to everyone. But the number one purveyor of organic foods is not Whole Foods, it's Walmart. Because the... People that shop at Walmart, which would be, you know, not the same demographic that shops at Whole Foods, is becoming aware and they're asking for organic foods. But even so, you don't have to go and buy everything organic. You can look at something called the Dirty Dozen, right? And I mentioned that in the book. So the Dirty Dozen are the top – Uh, culprits as are being most contaminated with these pesticides and herbicides and things like apples seem to be on the top of that list every year. They put that list out every year. So things like apples, strawberries, blueberries, um, all the greens, collard greens, spinach, cucumber, celery, peaches, pears, plums, are some of the examples of the things that would be in the dirty dozen. They happen to be my favorite things to eat, and they are all in the dirty dozen. So those we should try to buy organic when we can. On the other end of the spectrum, they have what we call the clean 15, and all this is in the book, so you don't need to be writing this down. Uh, But the clean 15 are things like bananas, avocado, pineapple, I think papaya is in there, onion, uh, broccoli. Those are relatively clean, so you don't need to waste your money on buying those organics. If you can just get the dirty dozen organic and uh, get away from processed food and junk food and eat more plant-based food, stay away from uh, meat, dairy, and eggs as much as you can, I think you're going to be okay.
3: Wonderful. Thanks a lot for that uh, splendid advice. Uh, Now, in your book, you also mentioned that the food that we eat uh, is much more than calories or fats or carbs and proteins. And sort of I guess, uh, suggested that they, they play other roles in this nutrition. Uh, is that correct?
2: It It is. So, you know, it, it's not, it's a lot more than just the energy part of it or the things sure. that we can physically measure, right? We're taking in energy, but we're also taking in intelligence from the environment. And again, depending on how that food was prepared, it is going to affect us differently. And, you think about eating an animal, and immediately you can visualize—you know—that animal would not have been happily sort of uh, galloping over to the to the slaughterhouse. And so there was yeah. that karmic load that you're taking in when you're ingesting an animal. But it's the energy and intelligence that we're taking in. And uh, again, we have humans and plants but let's say animals of which humans are one and plants have lived in this synergistic relationship for hundreds of thousands of years. And uh, we are designed to eat more plants and the plants want to be eaten so that we, we ingest, for example, you, an animal eats an apple or a mango and it goes on its merry way and it goes and poops somewhere. 50 miles away from the original place and the mango is very happy because now the mango tree gets to spread its seed 50 miles away Mm -hmm. and that's how that species stays alive and gets to survive so it's this uh, mutually what we call symbiotic relationships that have existed in nature Mm -hmm. and when we try to go and alter those relationships we do that at our own peril
3: Got it. Got it. So thanks a lot uh, for sharing. It's all about, I guess, going back to our roots as uh, human beings and uh, understanding who we really are. I mean, are we the farmers that we uh, you know, say we are right now or are we essentially... Hunters and gatherers, or did we spend a majority of our existence as human beings as hunters and gatherers, like you said, hundred thousand years approximately, and then we became farmers, and then we got this predictable supply of food in terms of breakfast, lunch, uh, lunch and dinner. Uh, but but let's talk about a topic that people usually associate with unhygienic conditions bacteria you've written that the typical human has a lot of bacteria in it and the typical human has far more bacteria cells than human cells in the body and 10 times as much bacteria as there are human dna and and what's more is that there is good bacteria and there is bad bacteria so what exactly is good bacteria
2: yeah it's so fascinating aj that we have a whole ecosystem within us right and Hmm. it's 10 times more so if you say you're aj are you really aj or are you you know you're outnumbered by the bacteria within you, right. and really, they are the ones who are who are deciding what you do because they live in this intricate relationship where they're firing back signals and messages back to your biochemistry, and their DNA is interacting with your DNA, and that's the net result of how you behave and what happens to you is is a, is then the result of what this whole ecosystem is doing, much like the planet Earth right the what what happens on planet earth is really what's going to be happening because of its inhabitants and right. we're just now starting to unravel this mystery just like the human genome project which uh, came about about 10 years ago where we were yes. able to identify which gene codes for what uh, there's something going on called the human microbiome project where we are actually just at the cusp of starting to understand what is the function of these trillions and trillions of bacteria of many different species that live within us. And connections are being made with autoimmune diseases, right? Again, and when we eat foods that alter that uh, gut blood barrier, so we have a single cell layer barrier that separates the dirty side from the clean side inside our gut. Mm -hmm. And if that barrier gets destroyed, then those things that shouldn't get inside our bloodstream are getting inside our bloodstream and activating the immune system and causing the immune system to then go haywire. And guess who's guarding that barrier? It's these bacteria. So I would say that the majority of those bacteria, over ninety percent are actually our friends, just much like the earthworms in the soil. Right? These Mm -hmm. are friendly bacteria that each have a function, whether it's helping guard that single cell barrier within the intestines, or whether it's Modulating your immune response or whether it's helping you metabolize things that you have ingested and basically detoxify the poisons that you're ingesting, whether it's getting rid of cholesterol so it doesn't get accumulated in your blood vessels and cause a heart attack, whether it's manufacturing vitamins like Mm -hmm. the B vitamins are actually made in the gut. So if you give somebody a course, long course of broad spectrum antibiotics and you wipe out these friendly bacteria, they're gonna end up with vitamin deficiencies. They're gonna end up with a a terrible infection, which is actually a big problem in hospitals called C. diff, Clostridium difficile, it's a bad bacteria, it's a bad guy. And so when you kill, when you just carpet bomb, right, the whole city, then you killed everything. And, right. But 99% of the inhabitants of that city were good guys, and you just killed off everything. So now there's there's a lot bigger proportion of bad guys that can now kind of take charge and that can have really untoward consequences. And there's a lot of parallels between soil health and gut health, right? Yes. And so what we do to the soil outside when we're dumping chemicals, synthetic chemicals, pesticides, herbicides, that kill the bacteria, that kill the living things within them, and then mean, just those foods were having that same effect inside. And we can do another whole show on this, but I'm, I'm trying not to go on and on because I know we're <laughs> short on
3: time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's all about, uh, you know, finding out who we truly are, right? Or who we are truly hosting. That's (laughs) These bacteria. So, uh, uh, Pankaj, based on what you've shared, and thanks a lot for sharing so much uh, today, what is that one action step you'd like to recommend for someone listening to this episode right now?
2: One action step would be to look at your meals and choose one meal out of the day that you're going to really eat for health. Right. Mm-hmm. You might not be eating all your meals, any of your meals for health right now, but choose one meal and make it a significant change where you're actually eating for health. And then you can eat for whatever other reasons you're eating, familiarity taste, social reasons for all the other meals, but start with one and see how that feels.
3: To read the entire show notes for today's episode including the inspirational quote, the book recommendation and certain nuggets of wisdom that you might not have been able to capture right away, probably because you are driving, visit my 7 forward slash 256, that's the name of the episode www.my7chakras.com forward slash 256. Take heart again, put your dismal fears away one day. Who knows? Now, this is a quote by, uh, I believe it was a, he was a poet or a philosopher, Virgil, Action Tribe. Fear is something that we all experience at one point or another. It has the effect of making you focus on things that don't serve you. It makes you worry about things that might not even happen and fear really paralyzes you. So for a moment, as this quote states, take heart again, feel grateful for how far you've come and know that you have it in you to overcome this difficulty. Because like Virgil wrote over 2,000 years back, one day, who knows, things are going to get much better for you. Uh, So Pankaj, take us back to a time when you encountered or came across a major life challenge. What was that situation like and how did you get out of it?
2: A major life challenge, probably getting through first year of medical school <laughs> was one of the yes. most challenging things that I've done in my life. And, uh, you know, it was it was so much information, so much to learn. I never thought I would get through it. The, you know, being a good student all that time and I'm in this classroom full of people that all seem to be smarter than myself uh, was a really challenging time. And the way I got through it was just, you know, staying focused and chipping away and taking one step at a time. And, uh, before I knew it, I was able to master the information and learn the things that I needed to learn. And I started doing very well in school and, and got through and the rest of medical school then was much easier after that first year.
3: Got it. So in just one sentence, what is that one major life lesson that you'd like to share with Action Tribe based on your story? it would be looking back
2: the uh, life lesson that i think i've learned now is what a wonderful life i've had i just wish i knew it sooner right when we're stuck in a problem we feel like oh my god life is so bad and this is horrible and i'm never going to get through it and i'm worthless Uh, but you look back and you say okay well that was just you know just one page out of one chapter of this book of a hundred chapters and it's been so wonderful. And so I was so hard on myself, but now I know I've had such a wonderful life and I wish I knew it sooner so I'd be happier.
3: Well, thanks a lot for sharing. And actually your story is very, I guess, relevant to many of our listeners because, uh Because of the nature of the show, our community is called Action Tribe. Many uh, people are in the phase of making a big shift in their life, whether it's, uh, you know, acquiring some new education, some degree or some certification or getting rid of a habit or acquiring a good habit. So big changes are usually extremely extremely hard and the fact that you've suggested that the first phase is usually hard but it gets easier along the way if you stay focused and you take one step at a time i think that's really really powerful even in my case when i did my mba the first year was really really challenging because like you mentioned a lot of information and you're potentially surrounded by people who are smarter than you who got more experience than you uh, but action tribe there is one thing that uh, others might not have and that is resilience and if you have the resilience and if you have that vision for yourself what way you want to go then you can uh, s- survive no matter what storm comes in front of you so thanks a lot for sharing that uh Pankaj.
2: thank you thank you yeah just, I mean my message would be don't stop right if you're deciding to walk into a lake of cold water it's going to get it's going to feel cold just keep marching forward you can chant whatever mantra you want to chant but by all means, keep marching forward. Don't stop.
3: And if you ask uh, Wim Hof, he would say it's actually good for you.
2: That's right. Uh, ice, <laughs> ice man. Yeah, and I I would chant Har Har Gange and just take the plunge. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. So, Action Tribe, are you enjoying today's session so far? Remember that you can always re listen to the episode later on if you find that some parts were sort of difficult to understand or comprehend, or if you want to write notes. Our podcast episodes are not about telling you that your challenges or difficulties are over. Far from that, I'm here to let you know that you are not alone in this journey and that you have the capacity to face your fears overcome failure and lead a life of happiness it is possible so for a few seconds ask yourself what is your mission here on earth what makes you most happy and what are the tasks or that one tasks that make you feel really connected every time you do it so spend some time to think about what your purpose is in this lifetime You don't have to receive the perfect answer, but the very fact that you are asking this question will create a vibration in the fabric of time and space and the universe will work on providing you the answer. You just have to ask. And just like James Allen once said, to begin to think with purpose is to enter the ranks of those strong ones who only recognize failure as one of the pathways to attainment. And with that, we've arrived at the last round for today, which is called the wisdom round. So Pankaj, are you ready?
2: Okay, bring it on.
3: Great, so what is the best advice that someone has ever given you?
2: The purpose of life is to find your gift and the meaning of life is to give it away. So find your gift, not for the purpose of you know acquiring more wealth and money and fame, but find what you're really good at so that you can give it back and share it.
3: So name one personal habit that keeps you going?
2: Uh, I like to go to the gym every day and that, that really keeps me going. I feel inspired by looking at people that are also trying to stay healthy and, and you know sweating and being very active. So getting outdoors, being active is what keeps me going, whether it's an evening walk or going for a hike or going to the gym every day.
3: Got it. So do you have a morning routine? What do you do during the first two hours of the day?
2: I try to get up in enough time so that I'm not rushing to get to work. That doesn't always happen. But when I do manage to get up in time, uh, you know, I I really cherish that morning routine of spending 15 or 20 minutes in silence and just really being mindful of everything that I'm doing, whether it's brushing my teeth or eating my breakfast, spend some time outside in the backyard, looking, you know, listening to the sounds of the birds and looking at the, the leaves of the trees, shaking in the breeze. Uh, and just sets the tone for the rest of the day.
3: So name one book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners. Uh,
2: most recently, I read Search Inside Yourself by Shade Meng Tan. And he's one of my favorite people here. He's from the Bay Area. He's a Google guy. And uh, that that right now is a really cool book that I'm reading. Uh, one of the classics that I've enjoyed is I Am That by srinivasargadatta Maharaj. And... Uh, and I think your, some, a lot of your other interviewees have talked about Siddhartha by Herman Hess and so on, But and those are sort of wonderful classics.
3: Well, thanks a lot for sharing. Action Tribe, I know how much you love the books that are shared on the show and I know that many of you get these books as you as soon as you hear them shared and that's why Audible.com is offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download with a free thirty day trial so that you can get to check out their service. And in case you didn't know, Audible has over hundred and eighty thousand titles to choose from. Many titles including bestsellers like The Chakra System by Anadia Judith, Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. To download your free audiobook, go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book. Once again, that's my7chakras.com forward slash free book to start listening to your new book as opposed to regularly reading a book. You can start listening to a book. So, Pankaj, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure to chat with you and learn from you. And uh, find out so much about uh, the world around us. <laughs>
2: Thank you so much, AJ. The pleasure is mine. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And I'm sorry if I was rambling and going on a little bit, but I felt like I had so much to say. Thank you.
3: Well, absolutely. It was super, super useful. And I'm sure many of our listeners are actually taking some steps towards their new life. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're grateful for and tell us the best way we can find you online.
2: Well, I'm grateful for this opportunity to be able to talk to so many people. I never thought that I would have this this platform, this chance that this book has given me. I'm grateful for this uh, beautiful day today. I'm grateful for the chance to talk to you, AJ, and be on your show. And Thank you. <laughs> the, you can find me at com D-O-C-T-O-R-V-I-J. That's V-I-J, not V-I-G, com And I'd like to put cool videos and links to things that I'm reading and pondering. And you can find information about my book, Turbo Metabolism, 8 Weeks to a New You, there as well.
3: So there you Action Tribe. If you want to make a change in your life, no matter where you are in the health spectrum, uh, if you want to change your diet, uh, the way you think, uh, you know, if you want to be more aware of the different types of food, like we're learning today, superfoods and the importance of bacteria in your body, and you must uh, consider grabbing this book, Turbo Metabolism, uh, which is available Uh, It's available on Amazon, right?
2: Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and uh, local bookstores
3: as well. Yes. Yes. So make sure you get it. Uh, And and to learn more about Dr. Vidge, go to com. So, Pankaj, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about turbo metabolism and good bacteria and taking us one step closer to a human revolution.
2: Thank you, AJ. It's been a pleasure. Cheers.
4: You're listening to my7chakras. go to my download your free gift, get inspired and take action. transform your life today. You know how to book flights and hotels?